right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Welcome to Two Guys Garage Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio and Britain Productions. It's Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. What's up, my man? Today we we have one of our brothers in the mix. So it's always good when you talk to the industry folks, bring them into the fold and be like, what's up, killer? How you been? How's things? What are you building? <laughs> yeah, we're going to just blow this right out of the bag here. We've got Ian Johnson from Four Wheeler, man. And uh, this cat's been around for so long in front of the camera, you know, working behind the camera, working on cool stuff. So it's going to be fun to bring him on because, you know, we know this guy. We, we get to hang out, you know, only at uh, Primo times like SEMA and stuff where we're kind of crossing paths. But what a righteous dude, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, when we're all, you know, playing top golf or, or trying to get the boss's ear for a minute, like, hey, hey, you should let me build this or we should do this on the show. And it's like, you should let us jump this or do this. You know, you may not know the name, but you know the hair. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> bam. Uh, it's awesome. All right, so I will tell you, man, being in this crazy industry, I, like, you know, it's kind of funny because you come from a couple other shows. You know, I, my, my, you know, stint on, on television was only because, you know, I, I do, I've done radio my whole life, ever since I was a kid. And, you know, this crazy guy who happens to be our executive producer one time saw me in, in Denver and was like, hey, have you ever thought about TV? And I'm like, have you seen this mug I'm working with, cuz? Come on, man. Mama put a pork chop around next to the dog. We'll play with this guy. So uh, he's like, yeah, you know what? Come on out. We'll have you do TV. And the first time on the show, he was like, all right, look, here's your camera. Just go do you. And when I auditioned for, you know, two guys, that was a much different scenario. I mean, I'm under the pressure and lab coat of Kevin Bird, the man, the myth, the legend, who's been on two guys forever. And now it's just, it's cool that in being in the business, you're going to meet guys like Ian that are just like, they're down-to-earth guys, and they get it, and they live it, and they love it. And there would be, you know, even if the TV cameras weren't there, they'd be out in the back, man, hucking, jumping, wheeling, having fun, saying, hold my beer, watch this. Or probably in the end's case, hold my whiskey, watch this, man, because that's the kind of guys we are. So I love it when you get a bunch of like-minded knuckleheads. You know, it's like a whole lot of crazy held together with a little psycho. It's good, man. It works out great. Well, that's what's kind of cool about this particular industry as far as television goes, right? You know, when you when you watch anything else on TV, there's typically actors, right? And there's people that want to go be someone else. They're acting. And you just can't act this stuff, right? It's it's in your blood. It's what you do, right? And, and it'll show through in, in five seconds if you try to get up there and, and really fake it, you know? So at least in my perspective, right? And I've gotten to meet so many other the, the TV type people. And, and yeah, you got a few on one end that are 
you know, they're making some kind of entertainment, right? Something different than, mm-hmm. you know, true automotive stuff. But, you know, 80, 90% of pretty much the people that I've run into that on TV, the ones I've worked with, man, just like you said, they're just working on their stuff in their garage. They're hucking stuff. They're doing burnouts. They're racing. They're just having a great time. And it just so happens that, right, just like in your case and my case, you know, there's a producer somewhere that goes, I don't know anything about cars, but that guy sure seems like he does, right? I think I think we should put him <laughs> on camera, right? And so, yeah, they're generally real dudes, real chicks, like working on stuff, doing the things that we like. And they're people that you want to hang out with, right? <laughs> just like, you know, you and I, as soon as we started meeting, it's like, well, dude, we got to go get beer together. We got to work on some stuff together. We yeah, got to go man. cause some trouble, right? <laughs> and then as soon as you meet Ian, you're like, yep, that's the kind of guy I want to huck some stuff off a cliff with, you know, and build some crap and have a couple cocktails, right? Yeah, man. His forte is really welding, and he's with uh, a bunch of our friends in the ESOB camp for years. It's always good catching up with a guy, you know, not just the SEMA, but on some of the builds. And you got to admit, man, when it comes to just four-wheeling, that's kind of like my second passion, race cars, and, you know, whether it's straight or turns or whatever, I always like going fast. But wheeling is like death at, at two miles an hour. You know, being in Colorado and having some really noteworthy trails, being this close to Moab, having a couple, you know, Rock crawlers myself, I love it, man. When people, you know, when people get in, you know, and, and I got a pretty good rig. When people get in it or get in stuff that you know that Ian builds, or you go out to Moab, Moab, and, and there's literally there's rock out crops that lean you off a cliff a thousand feet, and you could drop a you know a coke can you know twelve hundred feet before it hits the bottom. That makes a, it's a difference between a man and a boy right there. I don't know how many people have been like, hey, let me sit this one out. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit out here and watch you. I'll guide you. I'm gonna guide you. Over this rock, you go do this, you know? Because, you know, sometimes it gets pretty hairy. And he loves it, man. He lives for it. So it's definitely going to be cool to talk to him, to have him on, and just get some insight from him. So how about we take a break? We come back and tee it up with our boy in. Four-wheeler is the deal. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B, back after the break. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B, and we are joined on the podcast with our boy Ian Johnson. Four-wheeler is the deal. What's up, man? How you been? How's life? How's, you know, home uh, lockdown? <laughs> lockdown didn't really change much for me. The beauty of, you know, I own my own shop, so I got I just basically leave the house, drive over here to the shop, fire it up, and I'm in here by myself and working away, so... You know, it hasn't really changed my life a lot. I go out less, less eating out. But the good thing is, at least in Tennessee, we now have to-go margaritas from the Mexican restaurant. Yes, man, I oh, know. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope that sticks around. I hope that stays. They have that everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, there, there's a few things of life-changing <laughs> that are, you know, going to happen that I hope actually stick, right? And that would be one of them. Yeah, I'm all for, I'm all for it. When I, when I can get a gallon of margaritas to go, life's a good day. Right? <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of to-go, my man, you know, you build so many cool rides. People are going to remember you. What do you think people will recall you from the most? Is it a particular build, uh, the crazy attitude, your hair? What is it that, that when, you're, when people are join, jumping on the podcast and downloading, like, oh, yeah, I know that guy? I don't know what it would be. There's been so many. That's the thing. I mean, across three different, four different television shows, really. So I don't know if anyone would really want to know about a specific build, per se, Everyone's scared to ask about different builds. They all want to know what the next thing I'm going to build is. That's that's probably the number one. Is what right. are you next? So because there's always at least always yeah there's always four or five there's always four or five in the pipe for sure. So 
yeah, it was, uh, what do you build next? And what did you really think of that one that you just got done building? Yeah, so I used to watch you on uh, Extreme <laughs> 4x4 back on the uh, Power Block days, man. And uh, I got to say, dude, I really like the show and I really like how you come across, you know, again, you're very genuine, right? Real hands on kind of guy, you know, kind of no BS. And for me, I love fabrication, I love welding, I love moving metal, like burning it, melting it together. Uh, and, you know, the four wheeler at the end of the day is pretty badass too. Uh, but you did that show for how long, man? It seems like yeah. decade, decade and a half. 14, 15 years. I think I left in my 15th year. So it was like 14 or 15 years that I did that show. I did Monster Garage before that and then did uh, the Extreme 4x4, which turned into Extreme Off-Road, and then now uh, doing four-wheelers. So it's been a lot. I think I've been – if you add it up, like it's like – God, I think it's, this year is – 17 years no 18 years doing tv at this point nice man i didn't i didn't catch you on monster garage so how long were you on that show and and uh, what were you doing there i just did a single episode i came down that was my very first job in tv and we did uh i did the uh dead santa claus parade float with jesse on that one so we just came in and did one <laughs> one episode and then got out so we just came in for a build team and then went home. was that a celebrity thing were you already kind of a big big cat at that point nope. or is that where you're nope, starting i was a high school i was I was a shop teacher in Canada. Just applied on the internet and uh, got an offer to be that. All the build teams were just chosen offline or chosen off off the internet. So I applied online and got uh, got invited down there for the build. And I went down there and did the build. And it uh, that ended up because I did that build and I stayed in touch with a lot of the guys from the production company on that. We kind of went back and forth and they sort of steered me in the direction as to ending up over in on power block as well so it kind of that's what sort of started it all and then it's Wait, all downhill from there you were a shop teacher man that's that's crazy cool explain uh how you got into that gig a little bit i wanted my summers off so that, that was the real real right? reason but so now i was so yeah i was a i was a mechanic i left high school at, at grade i didn't leave high school finished high school um but in canada you you choose to become an apprentice or you go to university so i was going to become a uh, automotive mechanic and so you sign your apprenticeship papers in grade 11 and then you basically go to school in the in the morning and you work in the afternoon and then I wrote my license got my mechanics license and uh, we were re I rented a cottage one summer and I was like man I don't want to go back to work because summers are so short in Canada and uh, I just started said well maybe I can become a teacher because they don't work in the summers yeah. and uh, I, I went back and got my got my teaching degree and then became a shop teacher but yeah so I taught High school auto shop, uh, welding shop, and then I had my own course called uh, Automotive Fabrication where we built mini choppers and rock crawlers. Nice, nice. man. Well, see, my parents were teachers too, and yeah, they had the summers off, but they also didn't get paid. Oh, see, Canada's, Can Canada's very different. If you're going to be a teacher, you go to Canada. Canada, it's like the third highest profession in the country to be a high school teacher. Oh, Canada. nice. It's like a legit job. Man, summers so off, was, good yeah, pay. Wow. Whew. Summer's off, good pay, retire at 55. You know, it, it's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, maple syrup, Crown Royal. They got a lot of good stuff up there, except for weather. The only problem is it yes. snows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, man, you could you could polish that turd all you want. It's still yeah. Canada. <laughs> exactly. It still, it still snows for eight months out of the year. Go ahead, try to gloss that thing up, but it's still Canada. See, I snatched my <laughs> wife. I'm from Florida. I moved to Detroit to work for the big three. And uh, I met my wife. She's from Toronto. So I snatched her up. I grabbed me a Canadian girl. I, I drug her over the border, which is like, you know, literally I could throw a stone. <laughs> so she moved to the U.S. and didn't get any upgrades because it's still damn cold here in Detroit, right? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> she got hosed. 
that's yeah. funny, man. So you, you look at all the builds and all the all the crazy things that that you have done over the years. Are there a couple projects that stick out that you're most proud of? I mean, obviously it's going to be the next one. That's the that's the you know sort of you know uh, quoted answer. But there's got to be something that sticks out in your mind. Is like, wow, that was pretty freaking cool. Yeah, there's a couple that I won't get rid of. So one of them is uh, I got an M715, which is a 1968 Kaiser that we pulled out of a junkyard, uh, got it for like 500 bucks, and it got uh, completely rebuilt. So I still have it. It's uh, at the garage at the house. I'll never get rid of that one. Um, and then I've got my uh, tube chassis Suzuki Samurai, which is uh, going to be on four-wheeler. We brought it in for a little bit last year, but we're going to bring it back this year. It's uh, basically a super lightweight rock crawler on 37s, tube chassis, weighs like 2,800 pounds, got a VW diesel engine in it. So it's a pretty cool race. So those are the two that I that I won't get. Well, and then I've got my shop truck and then a 53 Willys wagon, which is right there. So those are the, but the 715 is probably the one that people like. They like that one a lot. It's, it's probably the most talked about one out there. Well, what's your favorite type of four-wheeling, right? Are you a rock crawler guy or are you a hill climber guy? Are you a quad dude? Like, when you're like, not on TV, right, with whatever constraints for, you know, what's going to fit your format, man, what really jazzes you up behind the scenes when the camera's off? So it's going to be like trail riding, like good old-fashioned trail riding, or maybe a little bit of Southern Hill killing. Like, I don't get crazy into the rock bouncer stuff. I did have a rock bouncer for a little while, but it's just too aggressive. Uh, I did race Ultra 4 for a little while, nice. built an Ultra 4400 4, car, and that was tons of fun. But um, I'm just not a race car driver. I don't, I don't have that sort of, like, I got to win type of attitude. I'm more concerned that everyone's having fun and does everyone have a cold beer when they need it type of thing. So <laughs> I, uh, I don't, I don't tie into that race course thing very well, but at the end of the day, so for me, it's going to just be old school trail riding and then it's going to be anywhere. I don't care where it is. I'll go trail ride. I've been fortunate. I've trail road everywhere, basically from coast to coast to coast to coast. You know, I've done, I went to, we were all the way up in ultimate adventure all the way up through Maine uh, Pennsylvania, uh, New Hampshire, up that way. I've ridden a bunch in Colorado, Road 21, Holy Cross Trail. Oh, bunch yeah, of Arizona, Holy Cross is yeah. yeah, it's a great trail, it's man. Great trail. Uh, done Holy Cross, did uh, all of Moab, California, uh, Arizona, uh, up into Washington, Idaho, pretty much everywhere. So there's always good trail riding everywhere you go. So that's the best part about it. What's been your, your favorite place and then maybe your scariest moment? Uh, favorite place in the world is Moab, Utah, 100%. No question. Yeah. There's something, <laughs> yeah. something really goofy, magical about Moab, especially when you're there for Easter Jeep Safari. You know, you've got 50,000 other people who oh, all love God. Jeeps. 10,000 Jeeps there. And, yeah, and everyone's there in their Jeep. And it's just, it's like being, it's, if you're a Harley guy going to Sturgis, then the Easter Jeep is where to go if you have a Jeep. And I'm a Jeep guy, 100%. No questions asked. That's funny because being in, in Colorado, we stay away from, from that weekend because we go the weekend yeah, everyone after. Does. Yeah, man, because it's so chaotic. It's just bananas. Yeah, it is. But it's like it is. It's everyone who has a Jeep is there. And it's just so cool because if you love Jeeps, that's the place to be. Yeah. Scariest, scariest thing, like I'm, I wadded up my 4400 car about 70 miles an hour at King of the Hammers in 2010. And so that was pretty bad because we lost the right front wheel, cartwheeled it a couple times in desert. So, but you know, if you build them right, it's just a, it's just a little roll. So I would say a toss up between probably the scariest looking moment would be I built my rock bouncer and I flopped it on a hill climb, but ended up landing on its wheels and finishing the hill climb. 
But really, it wasn't even that scary, but on video, it looked pretty scary, but it was fun. <laughs> That's one of those moments you pull off, you're like, hey, look at this, yeah. man. That was me. <laughs> I wrote it out. Yep. The best part was is I, I, I flopped it, so I was going up, and I flopped it hard on a trying to, trying to jump a gap, and I caught a wheel and flopped it, and I reached up to kill the engine, and the guy who was running timing, he's like, you're still in it. You didn't go to bounds. Go, go, go. And so I was like, oh, I'm still in the race. This is good. That's the best part about rock bouncing. Even if you roll, you're not out of the race. So we uh, dropped it back into gear and hit the hill again, and it was great. Finished, <laughs> finished. Didn't win, but we finished it. So it was good. That's all that matters, bro. That's all that matters, yeah, right? Yeah. Jay, the dream is free. Hustle sold separately. You finished that, bitch. Your money. <laughs> That's right. That's awesome. All right, well, look, well, let's do a break now. Let's knock it out, and we'll come back more with Ian Johnson for you. He can tell us about this show, what he's building, what some of these future episodes are going to be all about, and what he's going to be most proud about this season. All right? Quick break. We're back at it. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird and Willie B. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. We have our boy Ian from Four Wheeler on as well. And, you know, shout out to our boys at TechShine. I wonder, you know, you see it here in Colorado a lot. We have a lot of off-road trails. Moab's fairly close. But you see those guys, Bird, that hit the trails. All man ready to go do some rock crawling, some mud diving, get all, you know, make their truck and rig articulate and have fun. But, dude, they'll spend hours making their Jeep or their rig all flossy and glossy just to get it out and get it dirty and muddy. I just don't understand those people. Well, I think they took a wrong turn. <laughs> they were planning on doing a mall crawl. Yeah. And they just went left instead of right. And the next thing you know, they're out on the trail, they're covered in mud. You know what? What can you say? <laughs> well, look, if if you're uh, in the world of wanting something flossy and glossy and you haven't heard about TechShine, hey, what's wrong with you? Um, this stuff is unreal. It's wet-applied clear coat that was originally developed for jets and like racing boats to make them slicker. Dude, it is durable. It lasts. It is unlike any other wax out there. Well, that's it. It's, you know, think about a wax, but without having to do the waxing part, right? Because it's so easy to put on five minutes and you're done, man. That's what's great about TechShine. You get everything you want out of a wax, but without having to do the wax part. Aviation grade, shine and shield, all the external parts of your vehicles, right? Even your barbecue grill, tabletops, granite counters, you name it. Great protective coating. Super easy. Check them out at buytechshine.com. That's right, buytechshine.com. Get bird some, get me some, send it here, send it there. You can send it to Ian. So, Ian, I got to tell you, man, what's your look? What do you like? What sort of does it for you, bro? No, I'm a big fan of, like, original patina stuff. So most of my stuff yeah. I, most of my stuff's yeah, got, man. like, I, I, I still don't own a JK, which came out in 2007, so that's too new for me. So most of my stuff's pretty old. <laughs> I, like, I like taking old I'm with you. I like old iron, and I like, you know, throwing a bunch of cool stuff underneath it. I'm building – probably the one I'm sort of doing on the side right now is going to be the shiniest one I'll do just because I've got so many with patina on it that my wife was like, can we just have one that is shiny? And so I think it's going to get a, a, a nice paint job on it, but that'll be it. Hey, hey. Bro, I just picked up a 69 Bronco, so um, I got that sitting over the corner to do something really cool with. That's probably going to be the only flossy and glossy, you know, sort of off-road rig that I, uh, I think about doing that way. I'm like you. I'm like, hey, man, those badges of honors, those dent scrapes, uh, you know, <laughs> slider, all that stuff, that comes from, you know, from manning up and going over, uh, in my case, big rocks, you know, Independence, Patriot, trails like that, man. Those are kind of my, my flavor. Yeah. 
Well, there's enough stress, you know, when you're out on the trail and you got a 1200 foot drop to your left, you know, like to, to then be thinking about, oh my God, I got this shiny paint job. I want to scratch it up on the rock to the right. You know, it's like, no, man, I'm just going to hook that rock on the right and I'm going to save my ass from falling off the cliff on the left. You know, Damn like, right. I don't need any more stress. What are you talking about, man? We're four wheeling. You know, speaking of four-wheeling, what's this season like, man? Tell us a little bit about what you're building and what people are going to see this year on four-wheeler. So we, we finally got sat down and figured it all out. So we've got uh, a bunch of cool builds coming back. Uh, like I said, the Zook that I built a long time ago, it's going to come back. Um, we're going to pull out. It's got a mechanically injected uh, diesel in it right now. We're going to upgrade that to a newer diesel out of, a, out of another Jetta, just a newer one. Um, we're going to do uh, – Something with a JK, finally. You know, I'm going to do something cool oh, with wow. a Jeep JK, so we'll do something with it. And then uh, the one I'm looking forward to most is uh, last year I sort of I built the the four-wheeler. We call it the Race LJ. So it's basically a combination between a Ultra 4 car and a Jeep, and it's kind of turned into sort of like a luxury pre-runner for a 4400 car. I actually had it out at King of the Hammers this year just for uh, messing around, having fun with, and we did some shock tuning with uh, Radflow. And uh, it's pretty bad. I mean, you can you can eat whoops at like 70 mile an hour in that in that truck, and then still drop it into low range and crawl off all the hammers trails, which was tons of fun. But this year, yeah. this year I'm gonna take uh, I'm gonna do a cab truck slash rock bouncer and make like an expedition travel slash rock bouncer combination somehow. I haven't figured it out yet, but it's gonna be cool. <laughs> nice. So, hey man, you know what? You were t you're talking about shock tuning. How amazing for a guy that's been in this business so long. How have shocks just the evolution of shocks and the tuning that's gone into them now that you couldn't get, you know, a decade or two ago. How has that changed the world of four-wheeling for you? I think it's more the fact that like the shocks have always been out there. They've just sort of been relegated to the desert racing world. So Probably about a decade ago, rock crawling or off-roading was similar to score in like the late 70s. Because I remember watching score when I was a kid. So that would be like late 70s, early 80s. And so score back then was pretty bad. I mean, guys were like bolting on like 15 shocks onto a Myers-Manx to see if it could make it to the end of end of the <laughs> down in, in uh, at Cabo. And it was just the, the technology that jumped in there elevated that form of motorsport, that desert racing motorsport so fast. And I think what's happened in Jeeps and off-roading and rock crawling is now all that technology has migrated over into our world. So you'll see stuff uh, come out of desert racing, show up in uh, Ultra 4, which is our sort of premier version of desert racing and rock crawling. So that's like King of the Hammers and, and Ultra 4 Nationals, stuff like that. And now all that technology is then trickled down into the, into the weekend wheeler stuff so you'll end up with a jeep that's driving on the street that's got you know 16 inches of suspension travel four tube bypass with fin reservoirs and that completely changes how the how the truck works you get that thing tuned right you can drive it down the highway one hand on the wheel all day long sipping a latte coming from the mall and then when you want to you can drop that thing into the whoops and you know do 60 70 miles an hour through the whoops and just and still keep that latte in your hand and not spill it it's great yeah man what do you think about the OEs coming out with, you know, things like the Ford Raptor, right? Where they're kind of emulating some of, right, the capability, but, you know, you talk about carrying around your latte and doing your day job thing, you know? Raptor's cool, man. I mean, that was, I, I, I remember, because I, I remember when the Raptor came out when it was new, and I was fortunate enough to sort of meet some of the engineers that were on that, and they, they that truck almost didn't happen because they did not want to pay for the shocks. No way. I mean, I remember sitting down with some of the engineering team from Ford 
when they were sort of debuting it. And the guy said when they were having the meetings about that truck, the all the, the price point, because you know how all these work, they all get in a room and they're like, all right, well, how much does that cost? Well, how much, what if we buy 100,000 of them? What if we buy a million of them? What if we buy <laughs> yeah. 2 million of them? And the price keeps going down. Well, no matter how many shocks they bought for the Raptor, the price stayed the same because they were like, no, those are hardcore rebuildable off-road racing shocks. They're the same price if you buy one or a thousand. And uh, so they, I remember the guy saying, he said, we paid more for the shock package on that truck than we did for the engine. And, uh, but it made that truck. If you didn't have those shocks on that truck, it wouldn't have made. And that's what drove that whole OE platform now. And now you see yeah. they're all sort of coming after it, right? You know, you've got Ram coming out with one, Chevy's coming out with one. You've got the Raptors changed a little bit yeah. Um, yeah. over the years. It got rid of the V8 and picked up the EcoBoost V6. But I think uh, I, I love that Raptor. I think it's super cool. The cooler thing to me is how now you've got other manufacturers. They sort of set that as a benchmark. There's a, there's a Jeep. I was at Johnson Valley when Jeep was testing with Fox on some shocks and they basically used a Raptor as the test. So the Raptor went out and made a pass and they would put a different shock package on the Jeep and try and match the speed through the desert. And if it could match it, that was me. They were all just sort of chasing that benchmark of a uh, off the shelf or off the lot dealership truck, which is pretty darn cool. Well, it'd be pretty neat to see like, right, this competition because look what happened in the muscle car world, right? Between Mustang, Camaro, right? You got your Charger, Challenger, Right, and all the Hellcats and everything that's followed, and it's just gone insane because of that competition. You know, when Ford came out, I mean, I've been in Ford for 20 years now, and, uh, you know, we went from the Lightning truck, which was one way to do a, an F-150, you know, and when they said, hey, we want to do an off-road truck, you know, a lot of people were thinking, oof, is this going to fly, right? Are people going to buy this thing? Because everybody's sold on a Lightning. We hope so. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, it obviously blew up as far as, you know, what they were going after, right? The sales that they were trying to get, and it just... Exploded, but now when you start to get competition, who knows where this truck scene's gonna go, right? Yeah, I think actually right now the bigger competition is that mid-size market. I think you're gonna see basically the chase right now is gonna be in that Toyota Tacoma, uh, Chevy, uh, basic can GMC Canyon, Chevy Colorado, Jeep Gladiator, Ford Bronco. Uh, if they bring back the Ranger, I think that's that's the hot. That's the hot market right now. The full-size trucks, the, the range, the Raptors and stuff. I think that's that's. I think that's kind of trickling itself out. I think that that whole mid-size truck thing is is about to blow up for a resurgence, especially with that Bronco coming back. No question. Yeah. What's your thoughts on that Bronco? You think they're going to pull it off? Looks a little too much like an FJ Cruiser for me, but I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what's funny, man? A couple years ago, I, I tend to go go to Glamis about once every two or three years. Uh, I'm an ex-pro motocross racer here in Colorado. I'll never forget. A few years ago, man. Right along the the highway there, we go down to you know Competition Hill, and you'd be you know in those whoops, and you'd be doing you know 75, 80 taps out on a YZF450 man, just on the rev If you could ride, you could hang in there. And I never forget, man. You look over, and there's like there's like a Raptor hanging right with you, people waving in the cab. You're like, what? Yeah. What with, the hell with, is going with on? With the AC on. <laughs> with the AC on. Right. That, <laughs> that like that all of a sudden changed. You're like, wow. That never happened yeah, before. No, it's changed a lot. It really has. I don't know. I, I mean, I think the Bronco, I really, I haven't laid my hands on it yet. I saw the, I've seen some, I think it, I think it's going to be the same as everything else. You know, they tease you with these amazing concept vehicles and these amazing renderings. And then the real truck shows up. And at the end of the day, they're not selling trucks to me because I'm not going to buy it. You know, that's just insane. I, 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 I want an old truck. So what I'm looking for in that Bronco is not going to happen. I know it's not going to have 
a solid axle front. It's not going to have removable doors. It's not going to have a removable roof. But I get that. I mean, that's not the market for that for that truck. That's just the truth. You got to sell a million of them to pay the bills. That right? is that is damn cool, though. That is damn cool. What's now? How about something that you have yet to build, but you've always you've always wanted to. You've kept it in the back of your mind, like man, one day I'm gonna build this. Baja bug, hundred percent. So nice. my first car is a '74, '75-ish VW Bug. It's right there. It's in the shop. You can see it sitting here. But I went the other way with it when I built it. I did like a Cal Custom, so it's super slammed down and all cool looking. And uh, I really want to do like a full tube chassis LS, you know, Mendiola or Fortin long travel VW Bug body tube chassis. Damn. I think that'd be bad. Or or like or something similar like a Myers Manx, right. <laughs> like the two plus two Manx. Something like that, but some sort of like bug-ish off-road car, 100%. All right, so what's the scenario that's going to be, you got your ultimate car, where are you going to take it? Trail ride, race, any other combination? I, don't, I mean, I think, so I think it just depend on what I was, where I was going and what I was doing. I mean, the thing is, that's the cool thing about this, this country, right, is there's so many different ways you can have fun, right? So if you go up, like when I was on Ultimate Adventure, it was the most fun because we were up in New England. We were driving our hard – I took my YJ on that one, so it's a YJ with LS swap and uh, basically turned into a pickup truck called a shop truck. Um, but we drove it on the road, probably put thousands of miles on it, and then wheeled every single day. So that was tons of fun. But then when you go out west, you know, it's cool just to, like, tow your sort of race car-ish looking thing out to Johnson Valley and hit the hills and have fun in the in the Hammers trails. So it kind of depends where I'm going to go because that's that's just that's the beauty of, of this of this land, right? You can go anywhere and do anything here, and that's what makes it lots of fun. Yeah, no doubt, man. Well, I got a question for you. So back in Extreme 4x4, right, where you were on for 14 seasons, uh, right, you worked in a studio, but now you're in your shop. What's it like and what's the difference between, you know, being in another man's space, right, and being in your space. And, and I'm sure you probably have a different set of constraints and rules and opportunities, right? And you know where all the tools are at. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, and if they aren't there, whose fault so, is that? Right, right. right. Oh, we deal with that all the time. <laughs> I guess probably, you know, the, the beauty of it was, in all honesty, like when we launched Extreme 4x4, back then – you know, the guy who, Joe St. Lawrence was his name, and he was like the, the, the top dog over there. He was really cool with it. He basically let it be my shop or, or our shop, mine and Jesse's shop or whoever was hosting the show with me at the time. So, because we were in it, we built all the cars, we did all the work, we did all that kind of stuff. So that was sort of the deal. That was, that was a good thing about it. But in all honesty, when everyone came to me and they first talked about doing four-wheeler, you know, they kind of wanted that same process, right? Where fly to Florida and shoot in Florida and fly home and someone else would do the work. And it, it, if, if we hadn't have done it this way, I probably wouldn't have done the show. You know, they were super cool about, they came and looked at the shop and said, you know, maybe it would be cool to shoot the show here in your shop. And, and that, that sold it for me. Cause I mean, I'd already done TV for 15 years. It's not like I needed to do another TV show. So uh, I think the fact that they came and said, Hey, we want to do this in your shop with your in your space and shoot it here would it be cool that we did that way then that that sort of sold the deal for me i was like yes let's do this thing for sure so yeah man and tell everybody where to find the show at what times you're on and all that good stuff yeah so right now uh you can watch it all on the motor trend app so it's four-wheeler tv not four-wheeler tv you just gotta search four-wheeler because there is another four-wheeler tv on there 
And then it's uh, Saturday mornings. Uh, I think we're done Saturday mornings for now. I think we're, we're about to start shooting again in about a month, I think. And then they'll, they'll, we'll be out in the fall. But uh, on the Motor Trend On Demand app, you can find it, four-wheeler. There you go, man. Always good chat with you, brother. Can't wait to see you and uh, look forward to seeing the second season. As always, we got to catch up with SEMA, right? Absolutely. 100%. All right, man. <laughs> you know where to find me. I'll be sitting on my chair welding. Amen to that. That's where we always catch them for sure. <laughs> All right, there you go, man. Ian Johnson, four-wheeler. Thanks to him. Make sure you check out our show, Air Weekends on Motor Trend Network. Check your local listings. The episode's also now streaming on Motor Trend On Demand. Same place you pick up that four-wheeler show. Um, again, thanks to our guest, Ian Johnson. Uh, my man, Kevin Bird. I'm Willie B., our producer, Scoop, and our executive producer, Bob Ecker. Yeah, don't forget to check out our website, twoguysgarage.com. Tons of great content down there, man. And... Don't forget to check us out on social. We're everywhere. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Guys Garage. A Two Guys Garage podcast is a copyright 2020 Brenton Productions Incorporated. All rights reserved. There you go, man. We'll catch you guys on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Keep all four on the ground. See you guys. Two Guys Garage podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Brenton Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.